0: Welcome to the Debunking Economics Podcast with Professor Steve Keen. I'm Phil Dobby. Now, Marxists know, of course, of the struggle between the workers and the capitalists, even if it probably should be the struggle between the workers and the financiers. So does that mean now is the time for workers to get a share in the companies that they work for? Many companies already offer this, of course, but should it be compulsory? That's today on the Debunking Economics Podcast. During the uh, Labour Party conference a few weeks ago now, the uh, UK Shadow Chancellor John McDonnell unveiled a plan that would see companies with 250 or more people working for it having to set up ownership funds, in effect ensuring all workers had a shareholding in the company. The longer they worked, the more shares they would have. Uh, And it follows a report by the Institute for Public Policy Research that said the shareholder-driven model of capitalism is outmoded, they reckon. So the plan is... Companies would be required to transfer 1% of equity annually into an inclusive ownership fund until it was 10% of the total. The workers in the company would then own that 10%. They would have the same voting rights as shareholders and the rights to dividends. Uh, The only thing is they couldn't sell or trade those shares, presumably, until they left the company. So, Steve... Uh, what is uh, John McDonnell trying to do here? It sounds like he's trying. In a way, perhaps this is a new way of replacing the power of the unions, isn't it? With the,
1: with the power of ownership. Well, in fact, this is an attempt to turn capitalism into a total socialist economy. Totally socialist. Disgusting, isn't Just it? Just like a terrible social. <laughs> well called. West Germany
0: yeah <laughs> and only and okay. only ten percent socialist anyway, There is still ninety capital, percent uh, capitalist. the percent capitalist
1: so th- th- this this is the, uh, the the problem with this not this uh, it 's going to be interpreted. I can just see how the press is going to swing it, particularly the the, the u k media uh, you know, t- turning us into a socialist republic of uh, of the u k it is in fact the system that has existed in Germany since the post it may have been pre war pre war but it 's certainly the post war period that uh, German companies had... Uh, a workers' board. And I think the term for it was thrust. I certainly am obviously mispronouncing it, but that's roughly right. what the German word is. And they,
0: they, they their um, rights to being on that board was what they had. They actually did have share ownership, or were they just on the board I'm not anyway? sure
1: about the share ownership. Hmm. I think they, I think there was a, the workers had a right to representation, and did the customers on companies over a certain size. And the idea was you wanted the companies to be reflecting not just the shareholders, but the overall, not uh, just the shareholders, important, obviously, not only the shareholders but the interests of the, of the other stakeholders in the company and the obvious stakeholders in a company, you know, the, the people who supply to it, the people who buy from it and the people who work for it. And to some extent, the representation was made for all of them and there was this separate board which involved, and I think it still exists, um, which involves the um, the um, um, workers and the management together on what's called an office rut. So it's a, it's a common... right. Uh, right, but you're of- but you're
0: wrong about the press branding this as socialism because this is a few weeks ago now, and the press seems to have just totally ignored it. I mean, John McDonnell made a, a key part of his speech at the the, the Labour Party conference, yeah. uh, but everyone just seems to you know it was important to him, but not important to anybody else. It seems.
1: Well, it's, maybe it's not as important as Brexit, which is the only thing the UK press seems to discuss. That might be where it fell through the cracks. But when it gets close to the election, out, out, out it will come. But it is a, it is a, a way of including the interests of, the, of you know, the, all the stakeholders in a corporation in making its decisions. And I think I'd, I'd happily bet with anybody that the UK system has worked less well than the German system. Yeah. Even leaving the euro out of it, you know, leaving the euro and the eurozone, everything else, the German German way of building a corporation has been far more successful than the UK, and it is partly because it includes all its stakeholders to some extent. And what McDonald is doing here is saying, okay, let's include the workers to some degree. Yeah, but don't we want
0: to keep okay. workers in their yeah. place? I mean, giving them a uh, the voting rights aren't they going to make decisions which are not necessarily the right decision? I mean, the fact that they're working on the factory floor doesn't mean they're able to. I mean, you can tell I'm being devil's advocate here, of course. At least I hope you can. Uh, but the fact they're working on <laughs> the know? on the devil on the on, on the factory floor, the devil's floor, on the factory floor means that you know they they don't know. It doesn't mean they know how to run a company.
1: Yeah, but often the people running the company don't know what happens on the factory floor either. Mm. So you need a bit of feedback between the two. And this again is another interesting area in the development of industrial uh, strategies over time, because that was the attitude of, of Deming. Now, I can't think of Deming's first name, but he was a, 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 um, industrial planner in the, U, in the USA who was involved in a large amount of the, uh, rapid shifting of the American from the from a peace economy to a war economy after the, uh, the Japanese attack, and of course, in a very very short time, um, the uh, the whole American industry shifted over a dramatic level of production. And he then thought that that would be the, taken as a sensible uh, policy in the future to industrialise the america after the second world war and in fact the americans basically said oh bugger we won the war who um who who um who cares what the deming did at that stage let's forget about it and he was neglected in america as they went to japan and that's where just-in-time manufacturing began and one of the essential things about just-in-time manufacturing was every worker every worker on the production floor could stop the production line and the idea was not, you know, they're going to ruin the whole thing, they, that particular worker would know whether the, their part of the process is working properly or not. And so when the, when the plant was first built, off goes the production line. If there's an error, the worker can stop it. The management comes down, what's not working properly? Here's the point. Let's fix this piece. And over time, the production line started slowly, stops and starts and all that sort of jazz, but ultimately... The problems are ironed out. So you need feedback. You have to involve the. You can't have this. You, you can't reproduce the class struggle attitude that seems to dominate British politics within a company and expect the company to work well. Once you're working inside the company, you want to have that feedback. You want to have the workers involved, and that is something which is missing from uh, the UK, current UK. System. And I guess
0: if you get to the stage where every business has ten percent of the uh, of, of the shareholding in that business is owned by the people working in that business then uh, th- that provides a new opportunity for unions, doesn't it? Perhaps it reinvents the union because all of a sudden they are al- almost like representing that ten percent of shareholders. You know it makes sense that you say yes let's let's get together and have some sort of representation on our board, so our ten percent counts
1: yeah and then and then and then what you then get is workers who are far less likely to go on strike if part of their income flow comes from the company itself, yeah. so it's trying to build a level of cooperation inside the um, um inside the company itself which companies need you, you're not going to be successful having class conflict reproduced inside your firm you want to have you know okay class conflict outside perhaps but uh inside the firm make sure everybody works together you have two approaches two extremes one is the total command economy workers do what they're told and shut up um, that works well if the company is well designed now if it's not uh, you get a potential of not just sabotage, which is the most obvious thing that can go wrong. But uh, oh, this thing doesn't work. Who gives a shit? So I'm not going to tell them. I'm not going to tell this particular part of the production line doesn't work properly. They can live with it. And you get maintaining bad quality rather than improving quality over time. Is there a danger though
0: that uh, if companies, I mean, for all the wrong reasons, as far as the company is concerned? But isn't there a danger that this may be their mentality? If this is foisted on us by a labor government. That they see it as a a disincentive to employ more people because they're going to have to divvy up more of the company to more people. So they look at ways of employing people less and looking at more mechanisation or outsourcing and doing that sort of thing.
1: No, that's quite that. That's potential, Um, but that's why I think it's quite a. And and, and, you know, I haven't seen the plan in the same detail you have. But the idea of starting at one percent of ownership and reaching a ceiling of ten over time—it's—it's not taking away the silverware. Mm. Um, So it's still saying, uh, in some ways it's admitting just how bad performance of british manufacturing has been and saying let's slowly get to the stage where there's cooperation within the corporation rather than conflict let's 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 copy what the germans have done but get there gradually and some i mean this is one thing which is an outsider to the uk um one thing i like about the uk is the extent to which people are willing to entertain ideas they don't necessarily agree with that's something which i didn't see much in the australian political scene but the level of class conflict this place still has and this, this, you know, ruling class, middle class, working, working class divide, which is still here, um, is part of the reason why it's failed as an industrial country compared well, to Germany. It, it's about bloody time the British woke up to themselves. Yeah. Well,
0: even worse than that is the way that the working class cowtows to the uh, to the to the upper class. The, the the idea that Jacob Rees-Mogg would be given any credence whatsoever by uh, <laughs> by by, any, by anybody, but let alone uh, by the working class. And yet, a lot of people seem to think, oh, this is just the sort of character we need because we need. To feel the pain to get ahead—that seems to be
1: part of the British mentality, which I don't get either. Mm. Mm. So it, it is a cultural thing, and cultural change takes time. And um, and, and clearly, uh, the if you think about what Deming did with with Japan, Japan began with a with a, a, a very homogeneous uh, culture, very homogeneous. Uh, Ethnic background, um, and, and a respect for the f- feudal system and very rapid transition of that to capitalism back with the, uh, the Meiji Restoration back in 1868. Um, so there was a tendency to say, let's do what we are told to do. But the, the Deming thing came and gave a feedback and say, let's listen to the workers as well, not all one way. And what you got out of that is a fairly sort of significant transformation of Japan. Over time, it's still a very hierarchical society, but the hierarchy listens to those below. And again, in terms of industrial success, I'd take Japan any day over 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 the UK. And then they think about the similarities, both island states off a major continent. Uh, mm. <laughs> you know, um, so the UK has to wake up to itself. And, and this is... I think in some ways mcdonald 's proposal is an extremely good way of saying let 's take some good ideas from elsewhere in the world and transfer them to the UK and try to build a, a cooperation inside the corporation so corporations can succeed uh, compared to others rather than just reproducing the English class conflict on the production line inside the factory but you know what cooperatives have been
0: part of the uh, the British industrial scene for for quite a long time in fact. Uh, I read somewhere that employee-owned businesses account for four percent of GDP here, and you can look at one company. Look at John Lewis, a ten billion-dollar mm. company which is entirely owned by uh, by its by its uh, by people who work for it. You cannot buy shares in John Lewis, so uh, mm. the annual report doesn't mention dividends. They call it partnership bonus. Uh, and uh, it all goes back to to the workers. So there's there's a huge example of a, of, of a cooperative, and it's quite a refreshing read looking at their annual report because they're looking about how it's all being ploughed back into the, into the company. Uh, and what isn't pl- plied back into the company is paid as dividends to people who work there so uh, 100% of the company works like that
1: and actually i am having shops there i'm quite happy that it exists because i like the range and i like the service and i like the so it actually can work effectively that's 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 the extreme which would start raising the the uh, the the, uh, the hackles of the, the ruling class and 100% hand over to the workers yeah. but it shows that that sort of thing can function uh, and it's it's getting a degree of commitment inside the firm that you you can't get if you go the like the, the total American extreme. Where the or, or, irony of about American capitalism it's all about freedom of enterprise, freedom of expression. At the ideological level inside the company, it's it's uh, total line MF. If you know what MF stands for. And uh, and the workers get told what to do, and it's it's uh, that also can be an effective model. But it's uh, as as even Paul Samuelson once said, American capitalism characterized by uh, a, a rampant capitalist class and a cowed working class. And Which is um, what
0: John Lewis, the man behind John Lewis, John Sped and Lewis, uh, industrial yeah. democracy, he called it. He said, you know, partners should share profit, knowledge and power is a better way of doing business. And that's why I set up John Lewis. And, uh, you know, it's still around today. And uh, Waitrose is all part of that as well. So, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a growing group and a big uh, part of the, the, the uh, retail scene here in the UK. So if they're doing quite well... You know they have they go good and bad days. I suspect actually, if you're having a bad time, you're probably better to ride the wave uh, or the downside of the wave because you know because you're because you can say to people who are working there, look, wages aren't going to go up. You're not going to get any dividends on your on your shareholding but they 're part
1: of the business they 'd be happy to feel the pain if they know they 're going to ride the wave again, yeah, and a similar thing applies in Spain with what 's called Mondragon if you 've seen the Mondragon experience, have you ever, ever taken a look at that no so if you look at what the Mondragon thing did, it was initially to try to, trying to revive a depressed area of Spanish, uh, Spanish economies and it has actually ended up being on various times the fastest growing region of the global economy, mm. and it 's still pardon <coughs> me growing quite successfully it began in '56 Um, And it now has about 75,000 employees from starting from, you know, one or two way, way back. It's the 10th largest Spanish company so why and the leading business buy in the basket so this can work so
0: given that it can work and clearly there's so much evidence around the world uh, I, I mean that you know it's a, it's a question of why John McDonald would feel that he has to I mean obviously do you know he obviously has to but it's a question of why he has to uh sort of say that this becomes a compulsory requirement why wouldn't companies just say this makes sense we're going to do this
1: Again, it's that the, the, the class conflict we have outside a company gets reproduced inside if you don't think wisely enough about it. And they say, you know, "We want to be, we want to hang onto my capitalist share and not give any to the workers." You're talk, talk, talking that as an ideological thing. You then come to your own company and reproduce that internally. It is not a good idea. It is better to say, "Let's let's involve my workers in the firm, uh, so that they actually work harder for me." And we in, inside the company, we get cooperation uh, and right. improve the processes and they get a bit of a benefit out of it as well. Uh, so why wouldn't companies be doing if, that with yeah. them? Why would, I mean, if,
0: if a company doesn't do that, then they get uh, beaten by competitors who do do it. If it is so much more efficient, why wouldn't we just be seeing that being the natural order of things? if it works well
1: we ask we we ask in that sense of the the growth of the Mondragon religious of the world we have seen that happen in uh, John Lewis is a classic example happening in, in retail but you know, this is we the evolution doesn't work that rapidly even in capitalism mm. the evolutionary argument is what you're putting there Uh, uh, there's plenty of resistance to it and even though you are getting his parts growing, you know, Mondragon growing doesn't mean Mondragon's going to get together somebody who can invent, you know, a rival to Elon Musk's uh, SpaceX. Um, So it it isn't the only factor involved but it shows that it, the, the testing point is these little things have worked. Let's try to generalise it to some extent. And certainly, with the, with the with the you know, pathetic state of the UK manufacturing, something has to be done to shift the culture. And I think that's what John McDonald's idea sounds like to me.
0: Right. But you have just given a, just in that last couple of sentences an argument uh, where it might not work, where you've got somebody who's got a great idea, and they just have to carry the company with them. And uh, if that's
1: it, that's another thing. Yeah, it isn't necessarily going to work for innovation. Okay, that, that's one point i can uh, concede on yeah Mm. that's pretty important isn't it it's very important and uh because it's you you have to get enough finance to be able to do this on a large scale looking at mondragon for example its current total revenue is uh, 12 billion euro a year that's that's, 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 you don't sneeze at that. That's a substantial part of the Spanish economy. Uh, whether it could actually get the finance needed to take on something as big as, say, a semiconductor plant or something of that nature, uh, I'm, I don't think it could. So you, the idea, uh, can grow within its within the boundaries of small business to some extent, but to make that transition to large business, uh, the capital requirements might be such that it ca- it can't make that transition. So, isn't it uh, isn't,
0: isn't this really yeah. almost sort of like old fashioned thinking? Then, in that it, you know, it could work very well in manufacturing or very uh, labour intensive industries like retail. In the case of John Lewis, uh, mm-hmm. it works well there because labour is a significant part of your uh, of all your operations. But that's it for innovative, svelte, uh, highly adaptive companies. It could be something that weighs them down.
1: No, I think like even in those cases, if you look what happens in Silicon Valley, the, the Silicon Valley, a major part of your recruitment campaign in a a Silicon Valley startup is handing over shares Mm. in the company to initial staff. And that's what, if you might, if you've seen the movie about jobs. That's because they haven't got uh, any money.
0: They say, we'll give you shares because we haven't got any capital. So we'll give you, we'll give you a promise. You you,
1: you transit to the stage where you keep on doing it after you get to the stage of being a profitable enterprise. So I think it's, Mm. it's very feasible, but it is on its own. It's not a panacea. Um, and there may be some sectors where it works better than others. The, the retail, I think, is one clearly where like likely to happen because boy, do you get good service when the, when the staff own the company they're selling out of. It's, that's the advantage of a small business over a large one. And this lets it transit from the small business scale to the large scale, as John Lewis has done. So I think this is a, it's, 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 it's a, put it this way, th- there's something needs to change in the culture of the UK, uh, industry, uh, to enable it to s- stop losing. <laughs> but but so, but, but and I um, think this is one thing that could do it right.
0: But there's less examples of cooperatives um, in Australia where you know Australia would say, "Oh well, we don't have that uh, that class divide." But it's not happening there either. Well, they say
1: Australia has another the class as as Australian bullshit. As <laughs> so I think you.
0: <laughs> well,
1: actually, Australia's, you know, you know, they'll say, what, "What? What's a leprechaun?" Don't know. He's in Australia with the shit beaten out of him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, there is a there is a class divide. It's, it's wealth rather than uh, any uh, yeah, inheritance. We, we, we
1: have the we have the so called uh, mobility, but boy, in terms of who makes the power decisions, it's still very much a class system.
0: So, what what would be the arguments against this then? So, if you if you've got a load of shares, and I guess you'd have to if you if, if you're going to do it one percent per year until you've got ten percent of the total, then you're not going to be able to sell shares. You're going to have to issue new shares. So yeah, that's right. so you so well, in no, a, you
1: could actually so you, you could, you could you'd be buying and say could be you'd be um, buying you know part of you. well share buy- the share com- buyback we know share buybacks are a yeah. huge part of what's happening So, yeah, exactly. Right well, yeah, So exactly well yeah exactly that, that's right
0: so if the company's got that the, um, the ability to do that then if they've got the resources or the cash to do that then they could do it as part of a share back but otherwise it would have to be a share issuance So that affects the value of the existing shares doesn't it I mean if you when companies buy back shares there's always the danger that it devalues what shares are left
1: Oh, they increase the value of the share. This whole idea of a buyback: is to drive up the value. Yeah, value. So Sorry, if yeah, you, yeah, other way if, you're if, right. You, Exactly if, you're if right. You, if you're buying them and transferring to somebody else, you're not getting the inflating the value, of the share buyback effect, and you are transferring the ownership. So, what you'd have to say is the the mm. decline, the watering down of the percentage ownership of the current owners, has to be more than compensated by increase in the performance of the corporation overall. And that is the is that that is the. That's a big sell. That well, that's a big sell yeah, to existing. Sell. That's yeah. a big sell. <laughs> But, uh, I mean, given the state of UK manufacturing, uh, something has to sell.
0: So that could be a reason why you almost have to enforce it, wouldn't it? Because if a company said, well, this sounds like a pretty good idea, what we're going to do is, we're going to do this. We're going to, uh, over the next 10 years, we're going to give uh, 10% of our of uh, of our uh, of our share um, register to people who work for the company. We're going to issue more shares to enable that, and then people are going to go, hang on a sec, that's 110% of the shares, so our shares are worth less now. We, uh, we're we not going to support this motion, so it would never, yeah, that, so there would the be shareholder block involved. It, no. so, so it would no. be blocked, so the only way for it to happen actually is going to as you say is going to be for uh, for it to be enforced
1: and then it would be seen as you know this terrible labor government after 2022 enforcing socialism on the rest of this understanding this democratic capitalist economy called the uk so i can see there are lots and lots of political fluff over it but i think fundamentally is an idea of how to manage a company and how to improve feedback within the company so you get cooperation where you want it it's a good idea mm. yeah but the
0: it is a tough sell for John McDonald if he pushes ahead with this because not only a shareholder is going to be upset, but then everyone's going to be told, yes, but your retirement funds as well. All these shares are going down because of this extra share issuance. In effect, you know, if every company is having to issue 10% extra shares. Uh, then uh, then that is devaluing all shares. That's, it. That's devaluing your retirement funds. The man in the street, the, the worker is getting hit by this.
1: Even hey, I could get jobs as, as, as leader writers for the sun there and then. We could, couldn't we? I go already
0: yeah. worked it out. Um, yeah. so I wonder whether it means this would never happen, you know, nice idea, but in reality, too politically difficult in this sort of environment where well, we seem to be going the like, other way.
1: Quite possibly. I mean, even, even if you look at the five-year term that a, a typical uh, you know, government has in the UK, that they, fixed five-year term, it only get halfway before they get thrown out by the Tories and they kick it out again. Yeah. So it's quite possible it would be, would be rejected in that way. Um, it, it may be the sort of thing where you need as well as making it a political campaign to also say, here's an opt-in possibility. And if you opt in, then you just set that up and you can keep on doing it yourselves. Um, again, one thing I fear is, is getting a bureaucracy telling you how to go about doing it, which is never one of my favorite activities. Mm-hmm. Um, but but is it- to provide a template for it and say, this is a, you know, a fast way to change your structure. Um, it might be adopted even after it becomes politically a hot potato.
0: Yeah, but the but the difficulty of doing it yourself, as we just said, is the fact that uh, it's going to it's going in the short term anyway. It's going to impact uh, shareholder value, and no one's no one's going to buy that. That's a, that's mm. the big problem with it, isn't it? So uh, I think so. But it, I mean, it does get over short termism as well, doesn't it? I mean, one of the big problems for companies is that the board uh, and particularly the CEO have got a very much a short term vision because they're only that you know the CEO is only there for four or eight years. The workers are potentially there all their lives, and uh, so uh, they've got more of a vested interest in the decisions being made having a longer-term outlook.
1: Absolutely. And that's again, one reason that things like Mondragon work because you, you are committed to it indefinitely. Whereas if you, the the whole hassle about these, the, the the shareholder value movement has been that it's all about what's happened to the three month performance of the shares. And that's where the whole idea of, you know, leverage buyouts have come from, uh, the whole vulture, vulture funds, uh, and that's been destructive, not just of the culture, but destructive of of the, of the, actual corporations themselves on occasions. The the way that uh, General Electric was pulled apart uh, by that whole process is a a classic example. So, yeah, he... Uh, we have to getting away from this nonsense idea that the shareholder value is the right way to go about it that is another economics textbooks idea and of course as you know almost by definition anything in the economics textbook is going to be wrong if we, if we went for if, if ownership went from 10
0: percent being owned by by the workers to say 50 percent so it's half owned by workers and half owned by people from outside the business speculators um then uh, could could that then uh, sort of help to stop the wild fluctuations that we see in the share market because as a lot of it would Not be very
1: much, very much doubted, and I don't think you'd get past the ten percent level anyway, mate. Let's be politically realistic about this. I think it's a useful model uh, for what we're going to well, need. John Lewis is one hundred percent. Why wouldn't we get to fifty percent? He started at hundred percent, and he was yeah. committed to it. Yeah. It, was an, it, that's it. That's an ideological starting point. you you If you even pardon me, exactly what you've said. I'm writing the next leader for the sun here. And 10%, it's just a slow creep. They'll start at 10, but it'll get to 100. So I'm sorry. You've just written the second leader for the sun.
0: All right. Okay. Well, John McDonald, perhaps on the right track. Uh, chance of it happening in the UK. Well, who knows? You know, maybe um, – maybe- it's time is right. Maybe once we're over Brexit and people realise that there isn't for dissatisfaction, it's perhaps less to do with the EU and more to do with the way capitalism works in its current form, uh, less to do with European bureaucrats. Um, maybe people will be looking for other ideas and maybe John mcdonald has got a, a good one here.
1: That's yes, uh, that's actually what I think, think is the right way to look at this. And in my exposure to the to the um, office strut movement, by the way, came from reading a book as a, as a student assignment back in my undergraduate years by a guy called Andrew Schoenfeld, and it was called something like just the title, capitalism. But he went through about fifteen countries and the variations of the nature of capitalism in each of those countries. And one of them was the German system with the office rat and a and a degree of collectivism between within the firm and. That was part of what he said is the reason for the success of German industry. I was reading back in 1972, and and I think that still stands strong today. And I guess, you know, it, it is a bit of government control, but on the other side, maybe the
0: government could have less control in other ways, if you did have this representation, because, the you know, you Definitely, wouldn't yep. you wouldn't need to look at minimum wage and stuff like that, maybe quite so much, because the because the, the workers would be there saying, well, no, we're not going to work for any less. And we've got a significant shareholding. We can, um, you know, and you've got to keep us happy.
1: Yeah, and, and that's actually what tends to happen. I think in some sense, the German government is less intrusive into its corporations than it would be without the office rights system. Yeah.
0: Well, there are you beauty, John McDonnell. We're behind you on this one. Thank you, Steve. Uh, We'll catch you again very soon. Okay. Well, will it happen? I think John McDonnell has written it into the Labour manifesto. All they've got to do is win government. Uh, That shouldn't be too tricky, should it? I wouldn't have thought so at the next election, whenever that might be. That's it for the Debunking Economics podcast for this time. I'm Phil Dobby with Professor Steve Keane. Back again soon. Thanks for listening.